Matthew 25, the 22nd verse, we're going to pick back up on a message called, Well Done. And uh, the context of this whole thing is, when we get to heaven, we all are going to give an account for our life. The Bible said what we did in the body. And knowing that, we should approach life a certain way. I think that if we don't live with the idea that we're accountable for things, then we may live unaccountable. And the Bible said where there is no vision, the people run aimlessly. And so God wants to make sure everybody knows what his vision is for the world and for ultimately every believer. And so if we don't know what the common goal is for people, then we could miss the mark. We could do a lot of work. We could uh, do a lot of things uh, and put out a lot of energy and at the end of the day go, man, I really worked hard. Man, I feel fulfilled. But did we hit the target that he had set up? Or did we get a target that maybe the world has set up? And we feel good about it, but are we hitting the target? That is huge because it's not the world's target. It's not my personal target, my personal goals that I need to obtain. It's his target that I need to aim for and that we need to aim for. And so Jesus in Matthew 25 and in other places, and and this right here is talking about after he returns, how he is going to uh, have everybody stand before them. You know, people who are saved, people who are unsaved, and then he'll deal with the saved people, the people who have received Christ, different than those who have not received him. The interesting thought is this, both of them, their eternities are affected by their actions. You know, even in incarceration here is different for one person than another. You know, I, I, I knew a guy who had committed murder, served his whole sentence, got out, and something happened. It uh, wasn't a big thing, but he said, you don't understand. If they put me back in there, they won't put me back in with the general population because of my history He said, they'll put me in with the murderers. And he said, it's a different way of living in there. He said, it's not like, you know, these different levels. He said, you know, it's just different how you conduct yourself in every way. And so even in our prison systems, there are different levels. And in hell, there will be degrees. I don't know how that is. I don't know how hell could be worse for one and totally never be able to get used to it for another, and then even worse. It it is a true concept in the Bible that different people will receive a stricter judgment. But then in heaven, how can heaven be great beyond belief for everybody, but then also it even be more for others for eternity? I don't know if your heavenly couch is just softer than mine, you know, or my heavenly pillow has more 
glory and softness, you know, I, I don't know exactly how that is. I do know that there are references and I do know there's rank and hierarchy that comes to pass through faithfulness, you know, and how we conduct ourselves here on the earth. So I recognize these things are not super clear in the Bible, but there's enough reference that we know they're true. And here, Jesus was talking about this day when there would be a reckoning. And uh, he would cause more reward to come to people depending on how they acted here on the earth. And uh, we don't work for salvation. We don't work to get into heaven. We get there by grace. But after grace is done, we've received that. We are to function properly to do God's plan, and uh, we will receive rewards for that. Not all the work we do will we receive rewards. You know, if you come to work for me when I, uh, you know, need a new employee, I'm not going to pay you for stuff I didn't ask you to do. And you could say, I, I worked 12 hours today. But, but I didn't ask you to do that. that. That wasn't what I hired you to do. You may go home and your friends are like, how, how was your day? Man, I worked 12 hours today. I lost three pounds sweating. Best diet. Go to work there. It's incredible. And I worked and worked and worked. And then I come and say, what about that project I asked you to do? Uh, you're like, I've just been so busy. I haven't been able to do that project. Uh, what are you busy with? You know, because I always do that. What are you busy with? Everybody who knows me know I do that. What are you busy with? That might have been the first time I've done that. But anyway, you think about it. Uh, I, I just was doing all this stuff, and man, by the time the end of the day came, I was just too tired to do that. I thought, I'll get to it. Do you think I'm going to be thinking, wow, you're a great employee. Is that how you want your employees to do it? You know, you work at a burger stand, you know, in high school, and you're out gardening, working on the planner, but you were told to flip burgers. And you're like, look, I'm working hard. Or you slide over where the taco person is. Well, it's just I like tacos, but I asked you, I hired you to do burgers. Yeah, but tacos are more fun. And I get that. But I don't get to just slide over and hit whatever target I want to. And you think about it. I could work hard all day long and not fulfill my designated role. And I could get done and I could be all, woohoo. And then the Lord's like, did you do what I asked you? And you're like, no, I was real busy, but I, I didn't get to that. So we need to understand what is he asking of us? And this story here in Matthew said that different people in the 25th chapter were given different talents and different abilities, different allotments. And so uh, when they came before the day of reckoning where they gave an account, he said, what have you done with what I gave you to do? Not what I gave somebody else. So that means that we're responsible to know what he gave us. So, you know, because he doesn't want, I don't believe God wants to say, you did a bad job. I think that gives him no pleasure. 
I think it gives God pleasure uh, to be able to say to each and every one of us, well done, good job, you guys. Uh, you, you were faithful with what I gave you. And in this parable here, or this story, the people that did what they were supposed to do with what they were given, he said, well done, you good and faithful servant. And he didn't say, oh, you did as much as this person, good job. You didn't do as much as this person, good job, or bad job. He basically said this, according to what's been assigned to you, you do it, good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so we've been talking about this, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We all want to hear that. The key then is, is what is the target for you and I to hit? What is the fundamental target for every person in the world? That, that's an interesting statement. Matthew 28, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, you know, go into all the world, and he talked about how authority had been given to them. And then he said, do this, make disciples of everybody on the earth. Now, how many of you know that takes cooperation? He said, here's how you make a disciple. Here's how I know if I am a disciple. This is the uniform target for everybody. Teach them the truth and teach them to obey it or act on the truth. A disciple is one who doesn't just hear good messages and go, amen. A disciple is one who puts into practice what they heard. So the fundamental thing about being a disciple is this, are we reaching people? Are we bringing people? Are we introducing people to Christ? And then are we following up with them to help them to observe to do what the Lord said and getting them to reach people because it's a cycle. And uh, if God said make disciples, then that is the first target to make disciples. Me become one you become one. We reach other people. Making a disciple is this, helping people lead them to the Lord, and then teaching them how to act on the Word of God. That is what a disciple is. In other words, it's not just a consumer. It's not, I've already heard that message. I already know that scripture. I've already seen that one, or or I could quote that one. It's more than that. It's am I doing what he said? The Bible said this, the person who only hears the word of God but doesn't act on the truth is self-deluded or self-deceived. Isn't that an interesting thing? I'm not deceived by the devil. He's a deceiver. He will toss lies out there. I'm surely not deceived by God. I'm deceived by myself. Wouldn't that be an ironic thing? We, we care so much about ourselves. We want the best for ourselves. But at the same time, if we don't act on the truth, 
we're actually uh, doing a disservice to ourselves and being deceived. And then you get people in the process that don't know this, so they start praying, oh God, help me, oh God, and now what's God's problem? And why isn't he doing something? And why isn't he moving right now? And we're shaking our fist at God. Why haven't you acted? Why haven't you done something? Don't you care? Don't ever uh, think he doesn't care. As a matter of fact, if we ever say, don't you care? Or, or we say, I care so much about this, Lord. What about you? Um, probably not a good thing to bring up. Because who cares more than him? Nobody cares more about you than him. And so he's wanting the best, but what if I'm self-deluded and I don't even know it? What is the cure for this? Being a disciple. Beginning to obey the word of God. And when we obey the word of God, let me make this statement to you. It will be helpful. And uh, if you want to be a disciple and you want to experience God's best, there is an aching void that one must step out into to be a doer of the word. Let me say that again. There's an aching and hurting and calling out void or area of emptiness that one must step into and step upon and there will be nothing underneath your feet if you're going to be a disciple. You're going to have to step when it's uncomfortable. You're going to have to step when it looks like there's nothing solid under your feet there's just one thing there. And it's called the Word of God. It's called the Word of God. And I'm going to have to step on that Word without any feelings, without any confirmation other than it is written. And when I step, it, the winds may blow, the storms may rage, voices may come, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this. But if you'll take that step, the word will hold you up. And so we're going to look at that today concerning this area of healing. Healing. Anybody ever need to be healed? One person? Oh, okay, numbers of people. In this world, we live in a world where, you know, Stuff's going to come marching down the road. And I found this truth to be told. Turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. That what we don't know and what we're not fed, we become deficient in. And the areas where we do get fed, we become not deficient. We become uh, vitalized. Our faith becomes vibrant. But what we need to realize is if I don't eat certain truths or partake of them, uh, then I may be uh, deficient in that area. And so we don't want that. God doesn't want that. And I know sometimes certain truths are not always popular to the world. You know, you believe in a God who heals. You believe in this. I was talking to somebody before church and they said, that they were talking to somebody who was a 
Christian and how they always talked about, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and then they go to fortune tellers. And they go to seances and different things like that, and they go to these different places. Really what it is is they don't know, they may not know that there is a real supernatural in the kingdom. And you can really hear from God and everything you need is not in those worldly things where men are yielding to wrong spirits. Are you with me? I mean, if you want your fortune told, read the Bible. If you really need some direction, seek God. He will talk and deal with you. And he'll help you. That's what he specializes in. Because he's good. And so, but... But when you take the supernatural out of the, the gospel, what, what it, what's left? Well, we just don't want to offend people. Well, if we take the supernatural out, then we've reduced the truth to something becoming very minimal, and it should be exalted. I mean... Walking with God, having Him deal with you, and you being able to partake of things is huge. And God wants that. Notice this in Ephesians 4. We read this two weeks ago. We're going to pick back up here. And it says this, Ephesians 4, 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct. Notice this phrase. You put off the way you used to live in the world. A lot of times when people hear that, they think, oh, don't sin like I used to sin. And that is a part of it, but technically there's a bigger part. There is a whole way the world thinks. Do you know the world thinks a certain way about sickness? They preach about it. Anybody ever watched the TV? You ever see they preach about it all the time. In between, there's this medicine, but it'll make you cross-eyed. And there's this medicine, it'll make you pigeon-toed. You know, but it'll cure a wart. And you'll lose three fingers, but the wart will be gone. And they, what, they just start talking like that, you know? You, you know what I mean? This will fix your hearing, but, you know... Yeah, somebody said you're nearsighted, though. But, uh, or makes you cross-sighted, you know. They, they just name ten side effects, and that's what, and then they mock the Bible about healing in the supernatural. What do we have to give? We shouldn't take away from the Bible what God has put in there. But the question is, how do we approach this? I'll make this statement. It will help you. Healing's not hard. Healing is not hard. It's getting people to the position that's the work. Let me say it another way. How many of you believe salvation is hard? Oh, no, no, no. Getting somebody saved, that's not hard. But you realize the work in that is to get the person in the position to receive. You ever 
done that and found that can be challenging. But the, the, the acceptance of the Lord and become, becoming new, that's easy. Right, isn't it? When you get them to that point and you say, you ready to receive the Lord? They're like, yep. And then they go, Jesus be my Lord. And their countenance changes or they, their life changes. And we go, wow, that was so cool. We, we recognize salvation is easy. Receiving is easy. Having God do that work is easy. It's the same way, meaning salvation and healing are the same way. Here's where we've stumbled, is we've, we've gotten so cluttered and thought healing was something special, and it is special, but like, like that's a big thing for God, or maybe you don't deserve it, or maybe you've done certain things wrong, and instead of getting people in a position to receive, we're just praying and saying, ask and try to get it, but they don't understand it, so they struggle at that place. Then they get frustrated and they think, well, it won't work for me, I've already tried it. But how many people, if we didn't explain salvation clearly, would struggle with it too? They think, I need to do this, I need to become a member, I need to all these different things. What we need to understand is, if we taught healing as extensive as we teach freedom from sin, it would become just as easy for people to start walking in it. It would. But we, we don't always emphasize it. Then when somebody rises up to start doing it and somebody remains sick, they're like, see, it doesn't work. No, that would be like saying, well, I prayed with that person to give their life to the Lord and they keep sinning. How many of you know we wouldn't even think like that? We wouldn't. The reason we don't think down these paths like we should is we have not uh, majored on these truths like maybe we could. And so we're going to talk about uh, God wanting us to be disciples, walk in these things. Because here's the key. God asks us to take these things and not only experience them for ourselves, but use them as a calling card to our friends, to co-workers, where we're able to give this away to schoolmates or whatever it is and be able to say, hey, here. But what happens is if we're not thinking appropriately, we'll think just like a Christian. Well, you, you get saved, but you can never really be free from sin. But the Christian who knows the truth knows you can be free and not have to struggle. Are you with me? You don't have to struggle. You, you don't have to struggle. Sure, there will be pressures at time that come against you, but for a lifestyle of bearing the load and thinking, man, i got to struggle all my life, something is not appropriate, and God would like to help. But it's not going to come through my extensive prayers. Now, that may be an avenue to get information to me, but there are things we need to do. Notice Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off. Put off. What's he talking about? He's talking about a person who has received Christ who is to put off their former conduct or manner of lifestyle. Isn't it the lifestyle 
of the world to say it's flu season, we're getting it. I'll be the first one. It'll just spread through my house. And people, and, and that's not to be derogatory for the person who said that, but if you were walking with Jesus on the earth with him, do you think we would be talking like that if he was around? Oh, Jesus, we better be careful. It's flu season. How many of you think he would say that? And Jesus would be like, let's hunker down till, till this gets by. And then when the flu season's out, we'll re regain our uh, ministry of healing. So you could see where people are deficient in, in our thinking sometimes. And that's not a knock. It's just, look, it's good to look. It's good to realize we don't have to be afraid of certain things that the world teaches us to be afraid of. I mean, when you leave the door this morning, you know, I, instead of grabbing the handle and pushing, you know, I'll push it with my elbow. Because those germs are right there, ready to jump on your arm and run right up your arm and get in your ears or get in your nose or get in your eyes. Ah. Because we're taught to fear. But if he said, put off all these, and later on, put off these, and then in Colossians 3.8, it says, put off all these. And he puts a big list. Notice it doesn't say God will put it off. Notice these things, this former way of living where you're afraid of germs. God's not going to put it off. Isn't that interesting? Well, how am I going to put it off? Well, anything that gets on me, I'm going to have to use strength to get it off. But he's not talking about natural strength. If, if people would not major in trying to get healed, hear this. If they wouldn't major in trying to get healed, they would do themselves a service if they started to realize the truth about healing. But so many people are trying to get the end result, they don't work the process to get them in a position of receiving because they're so fixed. Uh, I remember years ago after I got saved, I, I, something serious started happening in my body. And I remember I learned a valuable truth. I didn't know it was in the Bible, but I learned about it after the Lord spoke to me one day when I was walking down a hallway. If God ever talks to us, it's going to always be in line with his word. Are you with me? And I remember I was struggling, and I remember the person that I was with at that time and dating. Uh, she had come to, to start walking with the Lord, and we were both on fire for God. And uh, I'd be like, pray. And she's like, she might have been praying more about it than I was, and I was praying about it. And I mean, I'm praying, Lord, I need to be healed. I, heal me, Lord. Come on, Lord. Uh, we need healing. And I mean, day after day, I could still picture today her driving away and me asking, hey, are, are you praying about that? And she said, I've been praying. Whew. Something's got to happen. And I remember vividly walking down the hallway because I would always be examining the circumstances. 
And I remember the Lord speaking clearly in my heart. Stop looking. Stop focusing. And I realized my problem was, and he helped me to see, that uh, I wasn't majoring on what he had done and what he said. I was looking at the end result. And I was in fear quite a bit because of the outcome of what this could entail. I mean, if it's a runny nose, you know, it could cost me a roll of toilet paper. But if it's something greater, it could cost you more than that. And this would have been on the, the greater side. And so I learned a valuable truth back then. If I need healing, quit focusing on trying to get it. What am, what am I supposed to focus on? Well, we'll talk about that. If he said put off things, then I need to somehow gain the strength to put them off or the ability or know that I actually have the ability if he told me to do it. What if he already told me to do it? Then that means I already have the ability. What if he didn't say, uh, I need you guys to be kings and priests and rule and reign in this life, but, I, but uh, you, because of what you already have, you are that. It's a total different approach. And so I know what he was doing. He was trying to readjust me so that I could walk in what he wanted me to walk in. So, so we need to understand this. Right now, we're already alive when we've received Christ. We have such power in us. It'd probably do you good to just talk to yourself in the, in the terms that God talks to you through his word. Like this, I'm able to overcome. I, he called me an overcomer. He knows I can defeat any of these things. I, I, start talking to yourself. I can defeat all these things. Now, if you argue and say, no, uh, no, look, what did God say? He said, put them off. And he said, you're more than a conqueror. And he said, we can rule and reign in this life. And so here are things that we should do in this area of healing. First, we need to feed our heart on truths in line with healing. Not trying to get healing, start knowing about it. And knowing about it from his standpoint. That healing already belongs to you. Healing already belongs to you from God's standpoint. It is already, it already belongs to you. What a big difference. Trying to get it, it already belongs to me. If, if, if you go out in the parking lot and try to get it in somebody else's car, you could get in trouble for that. But if you have a car that already belongs to you, wouldn't you act bold? And if somebody said, hey, you, don't, you can't get in that car, you're going to go, whatever. Uh, nice, whatever. 
And you're going to think, who are you that I can't get in what is mine? You can't tell me what to do, said my third grade self. Right? You, you, can't, you can't tell me that. But if I questioned that it belonged to me, I might go, I can't. But when the questions are taken away, you refuse, no. I, I, this is mine. So we need to feed in line with these truths that healing belongs to you. That it's God's will every time. Beloved, 3 John 2, I would that you would prosper and be in health. Well, that doesn't get too much. There's not a lot of gray area there. It is God's will. And then we need to know this. He's already done something about it. In other words, if you knew healing already belonged to you and it was actually your possession, and then you found out God already did something about your healing that already belongs to you, that is his will, uh, your approach would be, would seemingly could change if it wasn't appropriate before. If I found out that I already had a million dollars in my account, uh, wouldn't I spend it? Some of it, at least. I mean, would, it, would I be intimidated by a taco stand? <laughs> well, I like those tacos, but I just don't know if I can afford those. I've got a million dollars. I want that jewelry. Wow. That's $10,000. That's big. That's $50,000. That's bigger. I have a million dollars. My approach will change if I recognize what I have. And the big thing is what I have and what you have is not based on you. It's based on the fact that when Christ died, he didn't just pay for freedom from sin. Bible scholars use this term, the double cure. When he died... I understand what they're saying, that he didn't just die for sin, he died for all bondage. It says, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose whippings you were physically healed. It was paid for. God already paid for it way back then. If you do a careful evaluation of scriptures where he said call for the elders of the church let them pray over him the prayer of faith which takes a moment but like I said it's getting the person to the position where they're ready to receive the prayer of faith will heal the sick the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed any sins they'll be abolished notice when you start reading scriptures you'll find that not just forgiveness, but healing and whole deliverance was already paid for. If we realize these truths, we'll begin to act different. When we recognize that it belongs to us, 
that it is God's will, and he already did something about it. Now, we're talking about making disciples. If you don't notice, we'll look at it real quick. The same principles of receiving healing are the exact same ones that we would use to get people saved. To move them into a position. So number one, we would need to feed the heart of the lost. We, we would need to feed them like we would feed ourselves or somebody on healing. We would need to feed them in the area of salvation. What would that be? It belongs to you. Yeah, but what if I've done wrong? It's the same principle. Number two, that instead of that healing belongs to you, salvation belongs to you. Why are we talking about this like this? Because we can help people climb or we can build a bridge that if people do these things, they can walk in salvation. They can walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They can walk in deliverance. They can walk in healing. But they have to cross the bridge, and these are the principles of the bridge. They're Bible truths. Salvation belongs to them. We need to let them know it's God's will to save all, not just the ones who are not bad enough. Same exact principles. That God has already done something about your salvation if you're lost. He already died back then and paid for it, just like he already paid for healing. But here is the key then to those truths when we know them. And these are so simple, if we're not careful, we could miss it. But if these things truly belong to us, and I made the statement about that aching void, gaining the knowledge, coming to an understanding, I'm victorious. We can actually win at this. We can be effective in these areas. But here's the difference between a disciple who's non-deluded is experiencing the riches and one who's not actually a disciple who's heard and not done. Remember I talked about that aching void? I've got a step without a feeling. What happened to Peter? One day all he got was a word. Come. He had no reference to anybody walking on the water but Jesus. And the Lord told him, come. And he had to step out over an aching void. And he had to take a step on a word only. Come. Same principle. It's all over in the word. And he, he stepped. And I mean... You can't be staring at the winds and the waves. That's why I said don't look like, uh, am I healed yet or whatever? Look at the truth. And he took that first step and he took another step and it said he began to walk to Jesus. Now if you've ever tried this principle in your pool, you don't begin to walk to the other side. You take one step and you go straight down. So when he did this, he was cruising. 
And he was about to get to his desired destination and he got his focus back on the problem. And whenever we're going to walk in healing, our focus needs to be on the fact that it's already mine. The ability to come to Jesus was based on the word that he said, come. The same thing is true, by whose stripes you were healed. You've already been redeemed from the curse of the law. And if you read Deuteronomy 28, 61, it said every sickness and every disease is a curse of the law or any of them that are not mentioned in the book of the law. So think about it. You can't find one thing that's not covered and that it's already yours. But what do I evaluate? Do I look at the wind, the waves, and the storms? And don't get me wrong, it can be real easy when that dog's barking. But, what do I do? I turn my eyes to Jesus. There was a lady named Dr. Lillian Yeomans who was miraculously healed. She has books. She's gone to be with the Lord. But that was the turning point in her own healing. Is She realized through looking at the Word of God, she was focusing too much on herself and on her problem instead of what already belonged to her. And when she did that, she began to rise up and she said, at one point, I realized I'm already healed. And she wasn't even paying attention to herself. And she said, I'm actually delivered. How long have I been like this? There is an aching void. It's the same one Peter had to step out. Am I going to act on the integrity of God's word that he said I'm healed? Do I say I'm healed? And here's the big thing. Do I act on it? Have you ever thought about acting like you're healed? From the heart? I've done this in my own life. I only know me. I'm not trying to say I've been perfect. But I mean, I've had this before where I saw the truth that I was healed. Not trying to feel, not trying to get it to come to pass. I believed it was mine. I declared, I'm healed. I remember all kinds of flu symptoms on me. I had already planned on taking a 30-minute nap. Now understand this, concerning taking a nap, if I was sick and I wasn't planning on taking one, I'm not going to lay down and take a nap. But I already had planned to do it. So I laid down for 30 minutes. I fully thought the moment I get up, every symptom's going to be gone. And when I woke up, it was bad as ever. And mine have been worse. But I had already determined before I went to sleep, I was going for a walk, which was a couple miles around the block. So I remember getting up and going, praise the Lord, I believe that the truth is the truth. Our actions either put us over or they defeat us. So I started walking. And I had, didn't get my focus on my body. But, you know, level ground can seem very elevated when you're sick. I mean, around my neighborhood, there's a slight incline in, for the most part in areas. But it felt like I was mountain climbing. 
I mean, I was walking. I had walked probably a quarter mile, and I, I didn't have my attention on the sickness or anything. I just said, and I really believed what God said. And I mean about a quarter of a mile, maybe somewhere after that, all of a sudden it felt like the ground started leveling out. And I kept marching. And I mean not even an eighth of a mile further, all of a sudden I notice every symptom is gone. I mean, I'm totally normal. I march right home and I'm ready to eat. But what I'm getting at is this. What are we focusing on? Are we feeding ourselves? Do you know that these things already belong to you? Don't try to get it. Why would I try to get a million dollars if I already have a million dollars? I would just start acting on the million dollars. If, if I already had a billion dollars and I was like, oh God, I need a billion dollars but I already had a billion dollars, wouldn't I be missing my approach with God? I realized that with that girl, I kept saying, pray, pray, pray. I realized I was missing it. Because God was looking at it like, I've already done something for you, and, but I'm trying to get him to do something. We're not meeting. But when I found out that he had done something, and he told me, now quit looking at it. I started walking around and telling people, I'm healed. Because I believed it. And then I remember one time driving down the road, and I went, God, am I lying or something? I had nobody teach me. I mean, I'm six months saved, and he didn't even answer me. So I thought, well, I'll just keep going. And everything changed. Where it couldn't change naturally. So what am I saying? If he said it's mine, then do I need to pray about it? Or do I need to start acting on it? What if I don't see an immediate change? Shouldn't change how I believe. If I'm tempted with sin for three weeks, I'm not going to succumb to it and say, I guess I'm a sinner now because I'm tempted. We've been educated long enough that we know I'm just going to resist this. It has to flee. It cannot dominate me. I, I don't have to live the rest of my life thinking I'm an addict. Because I'm not. And neither are you if you're saved. Are you with me? But so many people are approaching this from uh, uh, trying to obtain instead of realizing Christ already obtained this for us. You know you're already healed? You know if Jesus appeared to you and he walked in the room and he said, you're healed. You're healed. You're healed. You know, we would magnify that. Whoa, if Jesus... He said that in his word. He said that to crippled people. He, when he saw their faith... He saw it, remember? He lowered the man down. He saw their faith. He realized they were in a position to receive. They hadn't received yet. And then he said, act on it. Rise up and walk. But there was no change yet. Some people think the change happened. 
before. No, it didn't happen until he acted. When he acted, he became whole. What was he acting on? A presumption? No, he was acting on a fact that it was already paid for, that Christ was the healer, and then he began to act on the word he got from God, from the Lord, through the Lord. Rise up, begin to act. And he did, and his body changed. Those are elementary truths. It works for salvation. It's already paid for. What are we waiting for? Well, I was waiting for God to do something. What if he's waiting for me to do something? To consummate the miracle. What if he's waiting for me to consummate the miracle? Peter did that. In the name of Jesus, stand up, and he was still there. So what did he do? He made him act. He said, and grabbed him and pulled him up. And it said, then his feet and ankle bones were made whole. What, why? When the man acted. It always works when we begin to act in faith. Glad you're excited about that. But it's the truth. Your miracle is in your mouth and in your actions. Once you know it, you can act, and you can be as bold as a lion in the face of any problem, and it doesn't have to be small to make it work. God specializes in runny nose and waxed up ears. Don't get too far beyond that. You're getting out there into the critical area where, you know, maybe a hangnail. Uh, no, he goes all the way because it's all paid for. 